Good morning. Welcome. Chris said it. He was right. Dave said it. He was right. What a blessing to be together worshiping God today in the Bay Area. I want to welcome everyone who's joining us online. Glad that you're a, a part of this as well. So a cruise ship was taking a cruise up the coast of Canada. And for everybody on board, it was pretty much the trip of a lifetime. A chance to see some beautiful landscapes and glaciers. And everyone was having just a wonderful time on this cruise. The fourth day of the cruise, the unimaginable happened. There was a crowd on the deck looking at all the landscapes. And there was the sound of a scream and then a splash. A four-year-old boy had fallen into the freezing water below. Everyone kind of froze, they didn't know exactly what to do, and almost immediately they heard a second splash. An 84-year-old man was swimming toward that little boy. He made it to the boy, he was able to get both of their heads above water long enough for the crew to get a rescue uh, mission going and rescue them both from the water. They spent the rest of that day in the, the infirmary because they were both close to hypothermia by the time they got out of the water, but it appeared that both the little boy and the older gentleman were fine, pretty much unscathed. That night they had a dinner to honor this little boy and the hero who saved him. And the captain introduced this elderly gentleman. Everyone stood and applauded as the man came to the microphone. When the applause stopped, he finally said, I just have one question. Who pushed me? (laughs) Have you ever witnessed someone perform a truly heroic act Have you ever witnessed someone do something that was truly courageous and wondered what motivated them to do that? What pushed them to make that decision? What pushed them to take that risk? What pushed them to to make that sacrifice? Now, what motivates Christians and churches not just to settle for, for where they are, but to cross the river and to enjoy everything that that God wants us to enjoy? This is our second sermon in the series I'm calling Fearless, and we are taking a couple weeks this summer, and we are looking at the life of the Old Testament character Joshua. Last week, we began this series where the book of Joshua begins, with Joshua and the Israelite people at the end of a very long walk. They find themselves again at the banks of the Jordan River Uh, contemplating entering the promised land. And our verse from last week, our verse that is on your refrigerator right now, is Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And I hope you thought about that verse Every time you opened your refrigerator, which even if you're on a diet, that's several times during the week, right? (laughs) Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Forty years after leaving Egypt, the Israelites are at the same river, looking into the same land, facing the exact same test. Let's pick up the story this morning in chapter 2. 
Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies to Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, this is not an information-gathering mission that these two spies are on. Joshua was in the land 40 years ago. He's been in the land. He knows it's a good land. This isn't an information-gathering mission. This is a military mission that these two spies are on. They're trying to look for anything that might make it easier for the Israelites to occupy the land. They're looking for anything that might give the Israelite army courage. And what they find out is the Canaanites were losing courage. Uh, the very last verse of chapter 2, they report back to Joshua and say this, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. The Canaanites had heard about Egypt and what God did in Egypt. They heard about what God did with the Amorites. So these two spies learned some helpful information. But I don't think that they were there just to gather information on a group of people. I think they were also there to share some information with a specific person. Because they wind up staying at the house of a woman named Rahab. And scripture tells us that Rahab was a prostitute. So her house was both an inn and a brothel. And maybe it made sense for these two spies to stay here. Or maybe it was a place where men were kind of used to trying to sneak in and sneak out unobserved. But I don't think it was just a coincidence that they stayed at the house of Rahab. I think it was providence. Because it turns out, this woman Rahab, she was fearless. So here's something about God that you might not know. He's looking for fearless. He is looking for courage. He delights in people who are bold. In fact, one sure sign of the faithfulness of a person is they refuse to be intimidated. And what I mean by that is your boldness is a great indicator that what you believe, what you say you believe, is really what you do believe. And I'll give you an example from the New Testament. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Acts chapter 4, Peter and John uh, are arrested for talking about Jesus. And remember, they're warned and threatened not to talk about Jesus anymore. And in verse 12, Peter stands up and he makes that great statement, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The very next verse says this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You can't be with Jesus and be a coward. Peter and John are fearless. Not because of who they were, not because, not because of what they could do. They were fearless because of who they knew. And what they knew Jesus had done and was able to do. One of my wife's favorite actors is Sean Connery. And my wife will tell you, Sean Connery is the best James Bond ever. And it's not even close. Now, she understands that there's been a lot of really great actors who have played that iconic role. 
And she understands that some of you might prefer a different actor playing the role of 007. She understands that we live in a free world and you can think whatever you want. And she realizes that you have the right to be wrong <laughs> if you think Sean Connery is not the greatest Bond ever. Way back in the 60s, when Sean Connery was offered the role of James Bond, he jumped at the chance. And when he was asked why he was so eager to play that role, he said, because it gives me the opportunity to be someone better than I am. And isn't that what Jesus does? Doesn't he give us the opportunity to be someone better than we are? Jesus met you where you were, but he didn't save you to keep you there. He calls us to be the best possible version of ourselves. He calls us to live a life of courage. He wants us to be fearless. But of course, Satan doesn't want any of that. Satan wants to intimidate you. Satan wants to fill your mind with fear, doubt, questions. He wants you to come up with all those things that might happen... All those things that could go wrong if you were to ever step out in faith. I heard someone say once that Satan's goal is to scare the heaven out of you. I think that's probably pretty accurate. But we know that what we know, and we know that who we know, enables us to be fearless. By the way, kind of aside here, I have never met a woman named Rahab. I have never heard of a parent naming their daughter Rahab. And I'm not sure why. Because you know what? Only two women in Scripture are mentioned more often than Rahab. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Sarah, the wife of Abraham. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, that you know, Hall of Faith chapter, only two women are mentioned by name in that chapter. Sarah, the wife of Abraham, and Rahab, the prostitute. We remember what she was. God remembers what she did. So, let's get back to her story. These two spies think they'll slip in. They'll look around. They'll slip back out. No one will notice. But someone did notice. Remember, all of Jericho is on high alert because they all know about all the people on the other side of the river. And someone saw these two spies go into the home of Rahab. And they went and told the king. And the king comes and talks to Rahab. And he says, Rahab, you have spies in your house. I want you to send them out. And Rahab lies to the king. Rahab tells the king, they're not in there anymore. She tells the king, if you hurry, you might catch up with them. What she doesn't tell the king is, they're up on my roof right now. But, but they leave, and Rahab goes up to the roof and has a conversation with these two men before they go down to sleep for the night. And what she says is this. She starts her conversation saying, I know. Now she has more to say, but I want to pause right here. She says, I know. It's the most important verb in the entire chapter. 
Because everything that Rahab does next, every decision that she makes next, every risk that she is about to take, and she's going to take some big risks, are all predicated on those two words. I know. Here's the rest of her conversation. I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. This is an incredible statement from this Jericho woman named Rahab. I know. I know that God has given you this land. I know that the God you serve is the God of heaven and the God of earth. I know this. Rahab's absolute fearlessness is built on a foundation of outrageous faithfulness. She had heard these outrageous reports about these people on the other side of the river. She had heard that God, their God, could turn the Nile River to blood. She'd heard that their God could cause the death of the firstborn of every uh, child in Egypt. She'd heard that their God could part the Red Sea so those people walked through on dry land. She heard about what this God did to the kings on the other side of the river, the kings of the Amorites. She'd heard about this God, and she concluded, He is the God of heaven and earth. He is the God of everything. In fact, Rahab actually expresses more faith than some of the Israelites who had you know, seen some of these very things. To everyone else, this, this is outrageous news. You know, these, these are outrageous claims. But Rahab believes it. And I'll tell you something. I believe some pretty outrageous things as well. I believe the Son of God left heaven and came to this earth and was born a virgin. And I believe that he lived a sinless life. And I believe that one day they nailed him to a cross, not because he had to be nailed to that cross because he couldn't do anything about it, but because he chose that in order to save me. And I believe they put his dead body in a tomb. I believe three days later he walked out of that tomb alive. I believe he ascended back to heaven. And he's reigning at the right hand of God right now. And I believe one day he's going to appear in the clouds and I'm going to go with him. And that's pretty outrageous stuff, right? <laughs> but that's what I believe. And if that's what you believe, then this fear of death, if we believe that death has been conquered, we can be fearless, can't we? Now Paul talks in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 about how we don't have to worry about the future anymore. He says this, so we always have courage. We live by what we believe, not by what we see. So I say, we have courage. Why do we have courage? Not because of what we see. We have courage because of what we believe. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's everybody's go-to chapter for the resurrection. If you want to talk about the resurrection, if you want to study about the resurrection, you go to 
1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says some pretty powerful things about the resurrection in that chapter. And then in the very next chapter, he says this in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on guard. Stand true to what you believe. Be courageous. Be strong. Be on guard. Stand true to what you believe. Be courageous. Be strong. When we stand true to what we know, when we stand true to what we believe, we can be courageous. We can be fearless. That's how it worked for Rahab. Look at what she says to the spies. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Rahab makes a declaration of whose side she's on. She realizes you can't be neutral when you're talking about choosing a side uh, in God's future. You've got to choose a side. And Rahab's decision, Rahab's declaration is stunning. She crosses over to God's team before God's team crosses over the Jordan River. And she did it at great risk. Because when she changed teams, her actions would be viewed as treason by her culture. And she knew that it was so dangerous to transfer her allegiance to God. But she came to the conclusion that it's much more dangerous not to transfer my allegiance to the living God. So get this. For a while, she had to live in Jericho. She wasn't on that team anymore, but she had to live in Jericho. For a while, we live here on earth. We're wearing a different jersey, okay? But we're living here on earth. If you're going to be fearless, you've got to pick a team. And you've got to have the courage to let people know whose team you're on. And that's getting harder and harder to do. Because we are increasingly living in a culture that tells us, hey, you can wear your jersey as much as you want in your house, okay? You can declare your allegiance as much as you want, but you keep it to yourself, okay? Your faith needs to be personal. My Bible doesn't say that. Now, I should say your faith needs to be private. Because the Bible does say my faith is personal. I can't believe for you, you can't believe for me. But I've got to let people know whose side I'm on. The life that I'm living People ought to be able to look at us as Christians, as followers of Jesus. And by the, the way we treat our morality, by the way we handle our finances, by the way we treat our neighbors, our family, our friends, our enemies, by the language that we use or don't use, by the places that we go or, or, or don't go, in ways that should be so profoundly different than the rest of our culture People ought to be able to look at our lives and say, you've been with Jesus, haven't you? And they ought to see us as people of courage. I, I, I quoted 1 Corinthians 16, 13 just a minute ago. I want to put it on the, on the screen here because it is such a great verse. Be on your guard. 
Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Let's say that together. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Congratulations. You just said it like you read it. Okay? This time, let's say it like we mean it. Come on. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Parents, you need to teach that verse to your kids. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. You be courageous. You be strong. Because we need to be fearless. Not just for our own sake. But for the sake of the people that we love. Rahab certainly was. Look at verse 17. The men said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you've tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you've brought your father and mother, your brothers, and all your family into your house. Now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but what they are asking Rahab to do is a huge risk. Don't you think that Rahab might have a neighbor or two who happened to notice that red cord hanging out of her window? Hey, Rahab, what's, what's the deal with the red cord out the window? And don't you think out of all of her extended family, there might be that one person who's loyal to the king? Rahab was one nosy neighbor and one furious family member away from being executed. But here's something that Rahab teaches us. Courage can't keep the hope of salvation private. Can't keep it a secret. Rahab is not just thinking about herself here. She's thinking about the people that she cares about. And if you know, I'll say this, courage and love always go hand in hand. They always walk side by side. And if you know someone that you care about, and you know they don't really have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have a courage problem, you have a love problem if you're not talking to them about Jesus Christ. Now, how can we say that we love people and not share with them the greatest news that someone shared with us? Paul would say to his son in the faith, Timothy, and so I solemnly urge you before God and before Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. Be persistent, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Amen. Listen, everybody in Jericho heard the same report about those people on the other side of the river as Rahab heard. And I believe, and you might disagree with me on this, but I'll stand by it. I believe God would have saved everybody in that city had they responded with the same kind of fearless faith that Rahab responded with. Because God's desire has always been to reconcile people to Him. So here's a great truth from the book of Joshua. God looks for Rahab's. That might be shocking to you. Maybe it's shocking to you to think that someone like Rahab would be interested in God. And maybe it's shocking to you that someone like God would be interested in someone like Rahab, but he is. Because God never allows anyone's past to exclude them from joining his future. 
which is really good news. That is really good news for all of us because all of us at one point in our lives were Rahab. We were all on the wrong team until somebody came and talked to us about Jesus. So when you walked in this morning, you were given something. It wasn't a scarlet cord, and it wasn't a red jersey. Couldn't afford that. But you were given a, a red uh, wristband. Anybody have those? You got those on? Okay, great. If by chance you didn't get one of those, there's a ton of them in the lobby. I want everyone to take one of those. And I've got a challenge for you this morning. I am going to challenge you to take a wristband and wear it for the duration of this series. It's going to be like three or four more weeks. And you might say, well, yeah, see, I don't like to do stuff. I don't like to wear stuff like that. Do you know what? I don't either. I don't like to wear stuff like that. But I'm challenging you. You know, if you don't, okay, I'm not going to... You're going to still be let, allowed in when you come, but... <laughs> I am going to challenge you for the duration of this series. Wear this red wristband that says fearless on it. Because I want us all to be reminded of the fearlessness of Rahab. I want us to be reminded every single day God is looking for Rahabs. God is looking for people who are willing to be fearless. He's looking for Christians. He's looking for a church who are willing to be as fearless as Rahab. Let's be those Christians. Let's be that church. We've got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement. If we can help you in any way, uh, come to the front. Let us know. Let's go ahead and be standing. Uh, as we sing. Yeah.